welcome to the Pro Coder Show, the place where you learn to become a savvy pro. And now for your host, he's built mission-critical systems and battled midnight failures. He's released software used by millions, and he's the biggest Doctor Strange fan you'll ever meet, Greg Turnquist. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Pro Coder Show. I'm glad to see everybody here. We're broadcasting live all across the interwebs, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, even, even Rumble of all places. So just to be sure you don't miss the show, you can follow me anywhere and catch the show. Uh, today we're going to talk about Goodbye Spring and Hello Cockroach Labs and what in the world is all that? What's going on? Um, we've got a, a show lined up for you today. Um, some of you may know me, some of you may not, but I, I was a member of the spring team ever since 2010. In fact, um, what I like to claim to, I joined back in January, 2010 and the, the then leader at the time was, of the spring team was Randy McLean. And, uh, uh, I think he told me I was the first person hired on to that department, whatever, ever since the acquisition had closed. Um, now there are some debates as to what the the tally is on that because when I they hired me I got in on what was called the commercial engineering team which was sort of adjacent to the spring team. Um, later that year they hired some other key people you may have heard of like uh, as a few months later they hired Josh Long aka Starbucksman. Um, you may have heard that name. If you haven't heard that name, then I don't know where you've been living. Uh, they also hired Craig Walls, the famous author of uh, Spring in Action. Well, multi multi. Uh, revisions or multiple releases of that book, like I think the biggest selling title at Manning Publications and uh, Roy Clarkson. Um, so I, I joined a group of people. They got hired right into the spring team. And then later I got to join the spring team after them. So as to the reckoning is the when I got into the spring team. Well, it's in the long run, it's not that important, but uh, I joined back then and uh, a little bit later in 2013, I, I had worked on several various jobs and stuff. And um, I went and talked to my manager at the time and said, can we can we find a more long term team to get on? Because a little bit of this is every time you jump from job to job, there's always this sort of spin up time and and ramp down time when you're when you're shifting assignments. And it's like I can do these assignments, but is there something that's more more efficient to get into for a long term thing? So he said he'd, he'd, he'd check around and there were there were several options, but uh, one of them I happened to uh, draw a fancy to was called Spring Data. And it was at that year's uh, Spring One conference when I got to sit down and actually meet face to face uh, Oliver Dropbomb and sit there and chat with him for about an hour. And suffice it to say, I got I got hooked and pulled in to work on that team. So I joined Spring Data team back in 2013. Um, I worked on different things with that. Spring Helios, uh, Hypermedia is the engine of application state, the project that fundamentally help you build links, which is a, a core structure with any hypermedia based service. You need you need links or you got nothing. Um, I also worked on things like Spring Data Rest. Um, uh, there's other other features in there. There's a the Spring Data portfolio has like 15 different modules. Some of them are managed in house. Some of them are community based. Most of them are in house, but uh, they have tools over there like Spring Data JPA, Spring Data Redis, Spring Data MongoDB, Spring Data for Apache Cassandra, um, and there's other stuff out there. But uh, I joined a it's kind of a small team, and and 
I found that very appealing because something I worked on had worked on for like 10 years before I even came to the spring team was this uh, contract for the for the federal government of the United States for their uh, FAA or the, the the people who basically helped steer the planes around in the skies was we, uh, we worked on a 10 year contract selling them telecom services. And at that point in time, we needed we, we had a monolithic database. We had an Oracle database on that contract and we had to write had to write SQL queries. I maintained, I was sort of the tech lead for a particular application our operations center used um, 24 by seven by 365. It was up all the time, five nines of availability, all that kind of stuff. And um, by golly, I had to learn how to write SQL select statements. I We used Oracle, like, I don't know, everybody did in the, in the day, but um, I was learning how to write SQL statements in the trenches and, you know, that was that was to me like a crucible of learning because one of the other things is is in any contract is you start you start from here and then over time the scope increases. We were we were running telco services. We started with twenty two sites of the customer and learned how to build services there. So essentially, we wrote queries to to manage all the alarm data that was flowing into our op center to detect outages. So we had to write correlations and and this stuff for twenty sites. Take that, multiply that by the amount of gear times the number of alarms that come in every day from that network gear and you kind of have a taste for what that is. But the 22 sites expanded and grew to like 2,000 sites, something like that. So you're talking about a, a, a factor increase of like 100, 100x increase. And so queries that I had written at the beginning didn't scale. I found out two years later, this particular query didn't work in the future, I had to go back and learn how to do explain plans. I had never even heard of that. I had this textbook in my hand, which I just recently cleaned out old textbooks and I realized I didn't need that textbook anymore. So I threw it out, but it was a textbook on Oracle SQL. The Oracle SQL book taught you how to do select statements and joins and that kind of stuff, but it didn't teach me how to do explain plans. So I learned how to go and analyze database queries and the, the thing would come back to me and say, here's, here's what you're doing. Here's your, here's all the full table scans you're doing in these select statements. And I was like, wow, that's pretty horrible. We had this case insensitive feature where if we got, we got an alarm in and it had a host name, we'd look it up in the database table and we decided it didn't matter if it was uppercase or lowercase, it had to match. So we just uppered everything and we're like, okay, that works. Let's just, let's just upper all the columns. Let's do uppers on all the comparators to do the filters. And well, gee, that, that generates a full table scan unless you've indexed the upper version of that column, which we had not. So it's like, wow, no wonder the, the, the thing doesn't scale when you multiply, you know, multiply all the tables by a factor of a hundred and then generate a Cartesian product. No wonder that doesn't scale. Gee. <laughs> so I'd worked for 10 years writing SQL select statements in the trenches. And um, I was also a sort of mini manager, if you will, the company I was at, we had something called group leaders. So you had, you had your, the person who gave you uh, your assignments. That was your, your technical leader, you know, the person who assigned you tasks, but then you also had the person that you reported to for, for annual performance reviews and that kind of thing. And at one time, you know, I was the manager of that app and I had to have other people help me. So I was a tech leader on that, but then they had also turned me into a group leader. So I had to manage seven people that didn't necessarily work directly for me. And then, so that was another thing I was doing. Um, 
And I'd managed to hire somebody onto the team to write stuff for me that was really killing it. He was, I could, this particular person, you know, new grad was, you know, I kept giving him bigger and bigger scoped assignments and he would kill it. He would, he would just knock it out of the park. Um, so I don't know, somewhere around the eighth or ninth year of having, you know, I'd been there for the, for the demo phase where we had pitched this thing to the customer. And then I came in and managed this app for eight or nine years. And I was kind of like, I think he can take it over. And I gave it to him. I let him take it. <laughs> oh, all right. Hey, Greg, good to see you from, uh, from my buddy there. Um, I checked uh, I've had him on the show before, but, uh, um, you can go check out his channel. He's got a great, he's got some great content out there. He's done a lot of spring, spring content out there. So it's good to see you here at the chat. We've got some more, uh, some more greeters here. Uh, Khaled says, hello, hello to you. Now I found this guy to take over this app. So I went and took over somebody else's app. I mean, come on, is that how it works? Um, I went and picked up a back office business app and I went and talked to another fellow teammate who was working on it. And this, this was a different set of people that use this app. This was for the back office, no 24 by seven stuff. These people work nine to five Monday through Friday, nobody coming in on the weekends. I'd already done the bit where you come in at whatever, 2 AM because there's an outage, you come in at 10 30 PM because there's an issue and you resolve it. So it was kind of a nice Nice peaceful transition. Don. Hey, Don. Good morning, Greg. Good morning to you, Don. Good to see you there. Um, so I moved to this business office app. And in the previous, I think I've talked about that in some previous episodes. I I worked on this. I learned a different type of thing. I I discovered, I also worked on another business office app that it too is based, you know, every app we were building on this contract in some form, more or less was connecting into a database. So, I mean, there was, there's no escaping SQL. And also might I say, not everything was a Java app. So I wasn't using hibernate everywhere. I was using other technologies. So I had to have my select statements in place. <laughs> wow. Oh, so I had to work on that. And, um, I had found somebody else had built this business office app and they had joined views to views or they, you know, they went out and found what they needed to find. Some of the stuff they found was in views, but I had learned that you don't join views. Jo views are a final result. You, you can write a whole bunch of selects again, join tables together and the whole thing may be cemented into a view. To me, it, it, it then raises the question of how, how much value is there in the view. If you're if you're writing multiple selects and they're all doing the same joins, okay, maybe there's value in having the view, but there's the accidental chance that someone else is going to pick up your view and join it to another table, which is a no-no because you may be rejoining the same table. Um, so I found this, this business office app that you'd click the save button. It would take 20 minutes to process because of this one select statement. And uh, it took me about... I don't know, three to five weeks to go track down what the thing actually did because it had absolutely no automated tests to it. Uh, talked about testing a week ago. So go go check the channel if you want to learn more about my opinions on testing. But suffice it to say, I went and figured out how to rewrite that select statement to operate correctly without using any views. And the query went sub-second. What's funny is that that department, it was the they were the business office. They were not the critical line of stuff. So I think they had raised the alarm on that many times, but basically they were low priority. So, you know, they had not had support for years. So for them, they'd hit the save button and go to the coffee shop and take it or not go to the coffee break room and, and, and take a break. 
I came in and fixed it and they hit the save button and they didn't, I think the first few times they didn't realize it was done. So I think they went and took a break and then they, wait, it's done. So they, they were clicking and they, they discovered it, it moved faster. <laughs> so all that's to tell you for 10 years, I was writing select statements and learning how to hone that. And it's just, and it's not, it's not academic. It's not like I'm studying this to write a paper. It's I'm, I'm reading everything I can find on select statements to write better queries because that's that was my bread and butter was I needed to build better I needed to get the right answer faster so on and so forth and and I did um it was funny that back office team they they, they gave me like a little paper award I mean not monetary or anything but they they just gave me a little certificate at one point to express their appreciation for me fixing something that you know arguably should have been fixed years ago but that's the way the cookie crumbles is in pro coding is sometimes different teams get different priorities so uh, got a got a hi from uh, MHDS. So hi to you. Glad to see everybody on board here. Um, so anyway, the to to have left the, basically back then, I I had read like every time I used Google Newsreader back in the day, and one of the technologies I followed all the time was Spring. I just thought, man, I love that Spring code. It's it's cool. I I used it. I tinkered with it. The stuff in my day-to-day -day operations did not use it because it was heavily not Java-based. Um, it was it used something else that's now defunct. But um, basically, uh, I got married and I wanted to move my family to another location um, across the country, closer, closer to family. Um, and I realized my current company wasn't, wasn't located in that area, to, which is where, where we are now. So, um, I started job hunting and I thought, okay, if I'm looking for a new job, what's, what's the gold? What do I want to go for above all else? Spring. Why not? Why not take a shot at it? It may not work out. So I, uh, I'd heard there was this thing called the spring experience going on down in South Florida. And we, I happened to be in central Florida. It was about a three hour drive from where we were. So, uh, I had a certain buddy of mine that I had actually interacted with, previously his name is russ miles who's who's been on the channel before so uh, a lot of people know him and uh i ch i chatted with him and he had made a deal where if i could get down there he would put me on the speaker circuit to actually talk about spring python i'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of spring python but uh basically one way or the other i wanted to get down to that conference i went to my own manager at my old company and said hey could I go down to this conference? You know, they, they, they happened to by coincidence or maybe divine providence and said, you know, what's something we could do to expand your career? What's something we can, you know, they, they were, I think they were trying to say, we'd like to help you, but we can't just hand you more money. So what's something else we can do for you? And I said, well, you know, there's this conference in South Florida I would love to go to. And, uh, you know, I don't even need to fly. If I could just get a company rental car, that would be great. And they said, oh, that's, sounds perfect and so they gave me a rental car and so i my wife and i drove down we went down together we're like let's let's have let's make a trip out of this and so i went down there and i made a point to greet every single member of the spring team when i was there i went i even ran into uh adrian collier who is the uh, former cto of, of spring source at the time i i got on an elevator car and he was there so i you know i overcame my introverted nature and just put my hand out there and i and he goes, oh, wait, you're the spring Python guy, aren't you? I didn't know what to make of that, but I said, uh, yeah. 
anyway, I the 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 key person to me was Keith Donald. He's one of the founders, I think, of the five one of the five founders that originally had launched the company, and he was also in Central Florida because at one point in time he had worked at Harris Corporation as well. So I managed to um, greet him and. Um, I was going to, I was like, I had brought a resume. I was ready to hand him a resume. And he said, let's meet in my office next week. And his office is half a mile down the road from where my office at Harris was. But anyway, suffice it to say, I got to, I got to meet him, turn in a resume. And it was an entire year before they called me back because they were in the middle of a hiring freeze, but they called me back. They, we went through the whole process and I, I got onto the team. I got onto the team. Um, and then, you know, it, after a bit, I call it floundering because I was trying to find where I fit best on the team, but I ended up on the spring data team in 2013 and then worked there for the next 10 years. So all this is to say, I've, I've, I've worked in data persistence, like almost my entire career. I've, I've done some form of talking with databases and it's become one of my firm beliefs that it's like, except for very specific apps, it's almost like what, what app can you run into that does not have data of some form? Now you can talk about like gateways, for example, you may have a gateway to, 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 to where everything comes in through that, that may not have any data, for example, but I wouldn't call that the focal point of your system. The, you know, that's to let you into the main app that talks to data. Um, I was talking back in September to a, a bunch of students at Austin P's computer science and engineering program. And I mentioned to me the, the, the biggies that just about any app is going to have is it's a web. Now you could say UI, but web has is the thing to, to to do. Everyone's doing that except in very specific situations. Like maybe, maybe those console apps, like if you go to to to, to Best Buy or any retail shop, um, those thick lines that they use to 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 check you out may not be web-based, but and today we have iOS or you know Android apps, but that's almost a secondary technology. The the, the primary technology is web-based. So one thing that you can always go get a job for is go learn how to build web pages. But I told the students at Austin P, I said, you can build web pages. That's, I don't want to say that's, that's easy, but I, I'm like, it's not hard. It's the, uh, you can learn that. And here's the thing. A lot of other people are learning it too. It's, it's competitive. You need to learn it and get good at that. It's a competitive uh, field, but they also need a lot of people. So there's a lot of opportunity there as well. It's not like there's little opportunity. You can, you can go for that. You need web. So I could say web is the first thing. The second thing is security. No app is real until it's secured, especially in this day and age. There's, you can go read the cuckoo's, was it cuckoo egg or cuckoo nest, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a book written by a math professor from Berkeley. And this is back in the seventies when there was zero security in computer stuff. And this guy who happened to work on their computer systems noticed a two cent discrepancy between two different systems that was supposed to be the same. And so he went digging for the bug and uncovered a, he uncovered a, a hack, a hacker ring and stuff like this. And it's, it's really a good book to go read, but back in, back then there was no security today. Security is mandatory. So you can go into, so every app needs to have security, but if you want to do security, there is a lot you need to go study to get up to ground level, just to, just to get the basics. There's, there's certifications. There's just, there's, I, I feel like I know a lot about security, but anytime I start talking to somebody who does it every day, I realize I'm woefully uh, underskilled in that. So, you know, there's, there's just a lot to study. So you can do it, but it's a big time sink. So just, factor that into your analysis of do I want to become a security engineering expert, that kind of person. 
So you need web, you need security. And to me, the big, the big third one that every, just about every app needs is data. Do you know how to store data in a database? Do you know how to access data in a database? Do you know how to get to it, put it there, uh, mold it, shape it? We've seen a lot of formations of data, changes, alterations, but something that's been around for, it has to be now 50 years, is relational data. Um, you know, I went to school in the early 90s, and the textbook I was using had been published in the late 80s. So, I mean, we're already getting into ancient territory, but I think the paper on tables and correlations and stuff um, that uh, I think Spencer Kimball was making reference to was somewhere back in the, in the 70s, the idea of relational databases. And so we've had relational data for decades. Now, we started running into issues with relational data, um, you know, as, as apps scaled to bigger and bigger in global international heights. Um but there's there, there's something to me about SQL structured query language that I can see engineers using it to, to to interact with data, and at the same time, I can see business analysts that don't have computer science training. These are people that for whom spreadsheets are not enough. These people can drive spreadsheets with pivot tables, but they reach for Microsoft Access because that's the dream tool of every business analyst. Why? Because they can actually write select statements. Some of them, they get as far as they can with the drag and drop and they realize, wait a minute, there's a little bit more if I go study this little thing called SQL. And by golly, it's not complicated. SQL, you can do a lot of stuff with that. You can get very far knowing SQL, knowing minimal amounts of SQL. And it's it's kind of astounding. So the big three I talk about is web, security, and data. Um. So being able to know SQL is like amazing. Now, you know, there's other stuff we can talk like the fourth one, I would say if there's a fourth rung to put on that list, I just made it would be messaging because we all we use a lot of messaging tools. We have RabbitMQ, JMS, Apache Kafka, and the list goes on. These each tackle different problems and and offer solutions. But I can't I personally can't honestly think of an app that has messaging that doesn't have data. Um, so, you know, what's, uh, so to me, it's like, what, what are you best at? You may have the knack for web stuff. And so I'm like, go get it, go, go after that. Or you may have a natural flair for security. I had a coworker back when I was on the commercial engineering base who he could really think of scenarios I could not about, well, your app's vulnerable in this context. And then that, what if you, what if you get up and walk away from your machine? How do you protect that? How's the app protect you from a coworker walking over and either being malicious or playing a prank through the system does it secure against that and i was like i didn't think of that so there's a certain mindset to be had to be a security expert but uh, anyway i you know i i've worked with data you know my whole career and i i somehow accidentally became very good at it I don't want to say accidentally. I I invested time in it, but it's one of those things where it's not a big jump to it. It's just lots of little steps. And over time, I I, I accumulated a, a, an awareness of persistence. What are the trade-offs? What's what works and doesn't work when we're talking about relational data? And um, you know, then then we then I had a, a, a kind of a surprising thing happen back in November at the end of November. I'd actually finished working on a pull request for Spring Data JPA back in is, is 2021, 
I want to say they may be the lead for Spring Data JPA. They needed to put a specific person on. They had at that point in time, they had two different people covering it. And I, in my opinion, the the, the consequence of that was it, it didn't get enough attention. You need one person on top of the project. And so they put me there. I knew relational data. I knew relational data. I was very good at SQL. My Hibernate JPA skills were a little lacking. So if I could catch up on that, okay, no problem. So I took that over um, as the lead developer for that. And we got notice that there was an acquisition coming for VMware. There was a company out there that was, that was interested in purchasing VMware called Broadcom. And then the, uh, I'll go through all the regulatory phases and stuff. Suffice it to say at the end of November, I had just finished a pull request making a sort of monumental change to the, to the core fabric of Spring Data JPA that I was wanting to get feedback on. And I turned it over for final review. Um, I had concluded a triage meeting with the team where we went over weekly issues. I hung up from the meeting, I checked my email and I had noticed that they were not going to continue my position. Um, you know, they, there's, there's decisions, there's new company comes in, they have to make decisions on what they're going to do. I'm not going to pretend that I know all the reasoning or the choice, why they made various choices, but suffice it to say, this was my notice that I wasn't going to be a spring developer anymore, or at least a member of the spring team anymore. And that was, that was a big shock. That's the biggest, that's one of the biggest shocks I've ever felt, at least in my career, you know, a job, you know, I've had other personal things happen, but that one was kind of stunning. I just walked down, I walked downstairs after I read that email and my wife said, are you okay? And I said, no, that was, that was a stunning event for me. That was very emotional because I felt I had put a lot into that. Um, actually, I actually went and just got in my car and went for a drive. I needed to go and just start processing that. And I went over to a friend of mine's house and we sit there and talked for about an hour. But, um, and I started thinking what, what's next? I don't know what's next. I don't, you know, I wasn't sure right then, but I, something I, I told myself was, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to let myself be sad. I'm going to let myself essentially what I felt was I was starting, I was grieving a challenging thing. This is something, this is going to be a new chapter in my career. And what was it going to be? What was, where were we, where were we going to go next? What was I going to do for my family? I didn't, I didn't fear, I didn't have a fear of uh, like, oh, I don't have any money to pay for the house or anything like that. I actually happened to have a, some savings set aside. So I didn't worry about that. It was just more of a, what am I supposed to do next? I don't know what my calling is. Um, and that was a tough one, but I also realized we were going into December, December's the Christmas season. And I figured what, if I'm going to go talk to recruiters or anybody that's hiring, they're probably not going to be totally focused in the season. These, these people are probably thinking, okay, let me, let me finish this interview. And then I'm going to go home and decorate the Christmas tree or something like that. And so it's like, I don't want to be at the bottom of somebody's list in that context. So I said, I'm not going to worry about interviewing for new positions until January. I'm just, I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to relax. I'm going to sit there and invest time in my family. I'm, I'm married. I have three kids, wonderful kids. Um, 
the funny thing is I'd brought them all spring socks from the spring one conference back in September. But uh, anyway, I loved it when they put them on. So yeah, Patrick, Patrick's sister and says, take a break. I don't know if he's suggesting I take a break or he says, that's, that's a thing to always do. And I said, yes, take a, it's always okay to take a break. Uh, Demi Lada says, so, so sorry to hear this, Greg. I, I appreciate that. Um, so I was like, I'm, I'm one of the things I had not done in a long time was clean out the garage. I said, this is good. I need to go spend the energy. So I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go start organizing the garage. And it, if that was, that was some, a good way to spend the energy. Um, and it's also kind of like playing 3d Tetris. It's like, you're sitting there playing, moving boxes around and okay, I don't need this anymore. And so I started doing stuff and you know, spending time with the kids and all and enjoying that. And um, I I shared that on Twitter. I I'd put a post out on Twitter saying this is this is my last day, because essentially what they told me was you're on paid leave for 60 days at the end of November. Um, but you're effectively off the team. And in 48 hours, they cut my access to email and Slack, which is, you know, understandable. So, you know, that's just that's that's how it goes. Uh, I've seen people get cut and get cut from jobs and have their access revoked within the hour, I at least had a chance to connect in and have a Zoom chat with my fellow teammates um, before that was revoked. But I posted that, I posted the notice like the next day on Twitter and y'all's response was, I mean, it put me to tears. I, I, I cried at the reaction. That was incredible. Just Sometimes I've felt, you know, I've never, I've never been on stage as a keynote speaker. I'm not the person that goes to 300 events a year, that kind of thing. I've just been working quietly to see this many people just reach out was incredible. It was very moving. Um, and Don says, I, I know how you felt. I had a similar situation. And, and what I've seen on places like Reddit and stuff is I think a lot of people are getting are getting rocked in the tech sector. There's there's like there's there's the layoffs you hear about in the news. You'll hear about the Microsofts or the Facebooks or whatever that are having layoffs. But there's there's a lot of smaller shops that don't make the headlines that are nevertheless getting getting rocked by all that. But um, it was somewhere I think it was in late December something that um, Josh DM'd me. Josh Long had DM'd me that he he he'd spotted this potential opportunity and he was like you know do you want me to introduce you to this guy and i'm like i have who are the you know who is this and it was an outfit called cockroach labs and my first response to josh was is this where i tell you that cockroaches really disgust me that i i saw them growing up and i would leap in horror at their at their presence at the same time you had to be able to hit you had to if they're in the house you had to hit them in one whack or uh, or they got away. So I learned, I had, I, I built up reflexes to take out a cockroach fast. <laughs> so I said, well, I said to myself, it's like, well, that'd be ridiculous to pass up any opportunity. So I said, sure. And he introduced us through DMing. I did, that's when I found out you can DM more than one person in a thread, if you will. So I started, I chatted with somebody, um, it was just a, it was a chat. It wasn't an interview. It was sort of a get to get like a meeting. Um, and so we got online there and I went and chatted with somebody um, named Doug Weatherby. And I'd found out this is somebody who'd worked at Red Hat way long ago. 
sorry, Doug, you worked at IBM and had also worked at Lightbend. And it seemed as if instantly we were talking in shorthand. We were jumping to somebody who'd worked with Scala, had a lot of familiarity with JVM, had worked in in persistence, um, had also had, you know, no junior developer by any means. He had a lot of awareness of the industry as well. You know, there's a lot of stuff going around on 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 Twitter and whatnot, or call it X, but about how engineering is just not about code. It's a people, there's more people stuff than coding stuff in engineering. And I can see the point of that. And this is somebody that had a lot of awareness of that stuff. And I found it for a meeting that was like going to be 30 to 45 minutes. We talked for like an hour and 15 minutes. And part of it was, it was like, this is my chance. I need to share some of my stories. I put out a video recently about how to interview and it, it amidst a slump economy. And it's like, I need to make a point of sharing some of the stories of what I've dealt with. And at the same time, I'm listening to what he's saying. By the time I hung up that call, I was like, I did not know that about Cockroach DB. I didn't know that that's what that did. I'd had their logo on a slide at my presentation in September, back in September at spring one, but I really didn't know anything about the technology. And when I hung it up, I said, that technology is cool. And I went and shared that with my wife and she kind of raised her eyebrows at that. Like, hmm. Um, I kept waiting to hear from other people. Were, were people going to reach out to me? Was I going to have to start scrimping and 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 reaching out to other people? Or what was going to be the story on that? Um, there's really not much more in December, but in January, it's like, okay, time to polish up the resume, start putting it out to some people maybe I had connections with or... Um, you know, I chatted with some friends that I knew that used to be on the spring team that had uh, since left and gone to other shops. I, I, I zoomed with different people just part of, partly just to check in and partly to commiserate. Um, but I actually, you know, I chatted with other people that might be potentially offering me a position and, um, amazingly, I, you know, nobody else was yet quite coming back with an offer, but, I went and pursued this one. I said, what this, this could be something new. What I've, what I went and dug in and found out about was cockroach DB was a data store and it's based on SQL. Well, golly gee, I know SQL. I've sit there and written in the trenches queries for 10 years. I've, you know, I've worked with the relational databases for another 10 years on top of that, helping other people in framework code. Hmm. But theirs is called distributed SQL because what CockroachDB is, it's you run multiple nodes. You can run as many nodes as you like. Um, you can have a set of nodes that are in the U.S. Eastern region. You can have a set of nodes running the U.S. Western region, and it automatically replicates uh, according to specific protocol. You always run an odd number so that you have a quorum that can vote. So a node goes down, the rest of them can say, you take over and it, and it shifts. And it's what's astounding to me is it's, it's there to uphold all the acid properties that databases have. And the more I dug into it, I was like, this, this is kind of nifty stuff. And it's like the sequel of old. I think a lot of people liked sequel because it was you know, I want to say simple. I mean, SQL is simple. It's not somebody I worked with years ago at Harris said it's not rocket science and it's not, it's, it's, it is, it's like, it's the first DSL that was out there, a DSL for data. And this was doing it. And I, and I, and I suddenly had this revelation that it's like, why did people leave SQL? Why did people leave monolithic databases? Cause they needed cloud scale databases and a monolithic database couldn't provide that. A, a jumbo server, you know, in your data center can't field requests both from 
San Francisco and from London. Either if you put the server in San Francisco, London is going to suffer from that. Or you're having to jury rig stuff where you're like, well, we'll have a copy of the data sitting over in London. But if you want to do any rights, they have to go all the way back to San Francisco, that kind of stuff. And a lot of the reasons people were, in my opinion, were jumping. A lot of the reason people were jumping to NoSQL stores is because they needed they needed a relaxation on that. They needed an easing on those restrictions. And so they started going there. And, and in a lot of these NoSQL data stores, you didn't have things like transactions, or at least not at first. And so people were struggling with how to do that. You know, well, we... We, we need the scalability factor, but now we need to cope with the fact that we don't have all the asset properties maybe we're used to. And so we started, people were learning the patterns and any patterns of all that. And that's why I'm kind of intrigued at, well, is CockroachDB bringing SQL into the 21st century? Is this the, the avenue where it can handle that kind of stuff and put you back into everybody's favorite DSL for data? So... I, I chatted more with Doug and, and the people there, and fundamentally, what they're offering me is a um, or what they were offering me was a position to be essentially a trainer. Now, what did that mean? Um, what's it? What is what? What? What does this mean? Does this mean I got to go? I got to go on site and deliver slideshows or something? Said, no, 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 no. We've because I I I had expressed that you know I've. I got a family. It's, you know, whenever I travel, it puts stress on my spouse to go manage the kids and stuff. And so I'm the kind of person who likes to travel the least amount. I mean, I like to get together once a year, twice a year. Oh no, you don't, you don't, we'll, we got other people that'll go on site. We need somebody to create the content. Great. Wait, wait, create content. <laughs> what, do you, what have I been doing for the past four years? I've been making content. We need somebody who can build training stuff we've they'd already made something with the training videos with cockroach called cockroach university so they'd made a round of that it it was uh you know they, they made a batch of content about two years ago to serve a, a, a particular need and then as more uh shops picked up and used it they got feedback on okay here's where the content needs to go to we need somebody that can help design the content basically somebody who can pick up a database this database and show how to use it, teach other people how to use it. So you need to use the technology and then explain it to somebody else. And something I had learned, I used to study martial arts, uh, Taekwondo, and the, one of the fastest ways to learn it yourself is to teach it to somebody else. And that was like something I kind of learned with making YouTube content, with making videos and stuff was um, put it to use, try to explain it to somebody else. And um I thought, wait a minute. Okay. Okay. SQL check, create content check. And also that we could do it remotely maintain, you know, I didn't need to move somewhere like, uh, like, uh, I talked to a buddy of mine that I knew in college who had, uh, moved a couple of times and I noticed he had moved to Apple. He had joined Apple like uh, a couple of years ago. And I chatted with them through, through LinkedIn and, Find out he works on Final Cut Pro. And I thought, oh, that's wicked. I use Final Cut Pro. Does that mean I can message him with all my requests? Maybe not. But thanks, but Jack. He says, Jack, you're a great fit, Greg. I appreciate that. Um, so they're like, okay, we need somebody. And here's and here's the other problem is, is uh, Cockroach Labs is kind of, well, I don't know, small, big. 
small compared to maybe the mega shops like Microsoft, like 300 people or something. But some of the biggest companies are wanting to use Cockroach DB because of all the because of the properties I've kind of hinted at. So there's big shops that are wanting to use it. And I kind of was like, oh, like what's what's a big shop? Like, you know, 300 developers or something. Is that no, one one particular company I'm not going to mention has 40,000 software engineers. And my my jaw dropped when I heard that. I'm like, wait, one shop? One of many shops that happens to have like 40,000 developers. So like they need they need something that's scalable. They need training, they need content that's scalable. They need and it has to be sustainable. We can't sit there and get caught up in in little bitty stuff. We need systems, we need pipelines of 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 management. We need to make a change here, roll out, update the decks. Let's see what, you know, what else do we need in updating video content? And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. SQL check. Um, making content check. And then I thought, well, pipelines. I managed the Spring Data CI pipelines. That's a, pro a, a team with 15 modules. I maintained all the, the, the CI pipelines for years. And I thought... This is perfect. This is the one thing that's different from this, from anything I've done before is I'm not going to, you know, in this position, I wouldn't be building Cockroach DB and I wouldn't be building, I wouldn't be going on site and consulting to help people build the apps directly. Instead, I'm just going to teach them how this tool works. I'm going to teach them how it operates. And I thought if I let go of my habits and assumptions of building the code directly and instead look at what have I learned, I've I've learned how to write SQL. I've learned what nasty SQL is and what good stuff is and how to go figure that out. And so I said, I can do that. I can do that. And so I, I reached out and said, let's, can we do an interview? Pro can, let's start the process. Let's do it. And, and here we are today. I went through and did the interview process. And I felt like anytime I was chatting with the, the people that were, the, the, they were interviewing me or the recruiter and stuff, I felt like we could quickly talk about quickly talk in shorthand, talk about, and, and it's just, and it's been exciting. And I started last week. I started last week on Tuesday on the 20th. That was, that was my first day as Cockroach Labs. And yes, I'm wearing my nicely branded pro coder stuff here, but I've already asked them, you guys got any merchandise? Cause I need, I need some shirts with it, with Cockroach on it. And so, so I joined Cockroach Labs as a senior staff technical content engineer. So I'm, there's still a lot of discovery. I'm going to have to find out what this job is about. I'm going to have to, I, I, I know the, I know the 10,000 foot level, but with any job, there's, there's nuance and subtleties and stuff like that. And I'm looking forward to finding, finding out what this is. And I'm actually excited to do this because this is something that I, I can do something. I, I feel like I've had all these opportunities throughout my career to learn the skill set. And the irony is, is this was to me, the only opportunity laid in my lap. And this is where, you know, some people can call this coincidence. And, you know, I don't know if, if you're a person of faith or not, but, but I am, I, I, I am a person of faith. And to me, the only way this happened to me, the only way that I would have found this position has to be divine providence. So that's just, that's just my opinion on it. So, uh, Demolade, I hope I'm saying that right, says, says congratulations. I, I appreciate that. Um, now, I do have some questions here. And so 
just a question out of curiosity. As a framework developer, did you deep dive into the technology or protocols and then go to the ideation on how to do it? How do you handle deadlines and also maintain code? So one of the big differences between building framework code like Spring stuff versus building apps, when you're building apps, it's like I'm building this app for you. I can typically go to one person or a team of people and say, this is this is for you. When you do framework code, it's for all of you. And it's, you can imagine I'm building this for a thousand people or 10,000 or a million people. And a lot of stuff with framework technology, you have to look at this trade-off. Well, you're asking for this one feature. If I add the one feature, is it only going to serve you? How much is it going to serve everybody? And what's the maintenance of this feature? So am I going to, because once I've adopted this feature that I add to the framework, there's more there's maintenance with it. How much is the maintenance versus how much is the payoff for the whole community? And that's the kind of analysis that you do compared to building an app. You know, if you're building an app for 400 people, then that's different than for 4 million people. And that's one of these kind of trade-offs that you do. Did you deep dive into the technology or protocols? Well, yeah, at certain points, I went and read the JPA spec. I went and built a parser, an Antler parser, so that we could manipulate JPA queries to add order by clauses or et cetera. So we can implement paging support with our API. So I had to go read the JPA spec for that um, and turn that into something. Okay, uh, Hibernate did not have a spec. Their Hibernate query language is a superset of JPA query language. So I had to go read all their examples. So I turn all their examples into test cases, that kind of thing. Um, and sometimes it is, sometimes you start from there and you reach the idea, or sometimes it starts with an idea and then you work your way back and it has to fit in with the protocols, that kind of stuff. So it's like that. And sometimes you, sometimes there are deadlines. Some of the deadlines in framework code is we need to get this out. We need to get this into the next release. Um, dead, the deadlines are different when you're working for a specific customer. The customer may need this feature. And so that's when that deadline is. So you... And a lot of times it's just sorting out which is the most important feature first. You know, prioritize stuff. We need to do this first and then this. And sometimes it's the it has to be released on this date. So whatever you can get in under the wire passes. And sometimes the customer's willing to push out a date. It depends on what the contract reads. So there's a there's a lot of stuff there. Uh Ken here is curious about the daily work of Spring Team members. Besides looking at GitHub issues, fix bugs, and new features, do your guys work for third-party companies as a consult? Um, well, I can't. Con I cannot continue to speak for the Spring Team. I can say what we did back then, and it's uh, fundamentally we have to build the toolkits and the frameworks and the portfolio projects to to sustain. Part of it is we have to listen to community feedback. We have to ingest that and decide what's the best feature we can have to put out there. So we get a lot of input saying we like this, we like that. And we're having to digest it and put it through that lens of what I just talked about, about um, value versus maintenance cost. So there's it's more than just GitHub issues. We also have to, I mean, we have to fix bugs. I mean, who doesn't? Um, but do you work for third-party companies as a, a consult? Um, we very much definitely, like in the days of Pivotal Software, we had a division that would do consulting. The Spring Team, um, the people that build the portfolio projects were not actually going on site and doing consulting work and building building apps for people. But there was also a commercial branch of the Spring Team. So these were, these were people that would go and work on specific commercial grade features for customers or we would they would work under the guys okay this is a module that we're going to sell so it does have some of that same framework analysis um but there's also um 
there's what's called like you can call them like sales engineers. There's people that their job is to go out and it's called pre-sales. So you 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 meet with people. So there was a batch of people on the spring team that would go out to meet with potential clients and to talk about, you know, what do you need? What's the idea is let's scope out what your solution would be based on which various products you're using. And this this isn't just the spring team, this is any team. And then you have what's called post-sales. So you also have customers that have bought your products and they want continued consultation on how best to solve their problems using your products because you want to invest in that because you want these people to re-up their contracts in a year uh, and, and, and buy support. So there's definitely uh, commercial aspects. The, the, suffice it to say, where I worked on the Spring Data team, I didn't work directly with them. I, I worked on portfolio projects, but that was definitely a part of the thing. Um, now, Don, now we'd had, I had had questions posted, by the way, smash like if you're getting value out of today's uh, episode of the Pro Coder Show. But um, there's also uh, Don here, Don, who's uh, chimed in a couple of times, is, is uh, one of our members. And uh, by the way, if you're interested in becoming a member, you want to go check out member.procoder.io. And he had, he had asked, he posted some questions at uh, procoder.io slash question. And uh, he said, uh, what, are you, what are you going to be doing in your new position? Is it similar to your spring position? So hopefully I answered that one. It's To me, in a sense, it's very different from what I was doing. So I'm not maintaining the software anymore, but I'm going to be working in new types of software. So we're going to be talking about we need examples and, and uh, dem demonstrative ways to, to, to use the stuff. How did, how did you find your new position? Um, I kind of shared that, uh, my personal story on how I found that. Now, what aspects of your previous position uh, do you feel help obtain your new job, if any? Well, one of the skills that I had back in the days of Harris Corporation was, is I got, I, I was hired at what was called L2 level, you know, instead of L1, I went to L2 because at the time I went, I had finished grad school and they happened to give me sort of an instant promotion. But when I got promoted to L3 after five years, they told me part of your performance review is going to be based upon interviewing other people. Um, so I went and dived into that head first uh, and I went and interviewed a lot of people. And so I learned about the interviewing process and it's something that I captured in, in the video that I released last week. If you go check out the YouTube channel, um, you can find that, but I feel that my, the skills I learned in how to interview helped me inter helped me myself interview, um, both to get onto the spring team as well as to this position, which is you, you need, you need more than say, hey, I know React JS, because what if they're not looking for React? What if they're looking for another JS thing? So nothing is as simple as I know React JS or I know Spring Boot. They want a little more than that. When you're, when you're interviewing for stuff, they want examples like, well, this is the problem that came to me. This is the what I came up with as a solution. Here's where it worked. Here's where it wasn't quite what they needed. And I made these adjustments. And so this kind of stuff. I felt like I, I sort of knew how to interview. It's not a shortcut or a hack. It's instead, I, I, I know what interviewers need. They need example. They need problem solving as examples because that's what we're doing is we're solving problems for people. And that's what they look for. Um, so, you know, a, a lot of this is, you know, I, I've, I've been active on Reddit channel. Amazingly, Reddit, which apparently is going to go IPO soon, has, there's a lot of, I don't know, burning subreddits out there, but also I can find discussions of value where I can pick a thread of conversation and get into it. And I shared with somebody else that said they got laid off. They didn't know what to do with it. And I said, it's okay to just sit there and 
be sad. It's okay to sit there and grieve. There is a grieving process to this. Doesn't mean you're not going to go out and try to find something new. Doesn't mean any of that, but it's okay to, to feel that, to feel that. And so I've tried to do a little bit of my own. Let me contribute back to other people. Let me contribute to others that, that are, that are having some of this. Cause I know a lot of people it's, it's tough. Um, what do we got here? It all depends on Glenn. I don't know that. I was happy to meet you at spring one and also have your signed book. Are you still going to give talks on conferences? Well, I'm, I appreciate that. Um, I have to see what the future is. Apparently, uh, Cockroach Labs has an annual event called the Roachathon. Okay, they lean into that. And why is it called Cockroach DB? Because it's the database you just can't kill. Okay. Um, are you still going to give talks at conferences? I don't know. I've that part's a little open. Am I going to? I'm going to extend your question though to say, are you going to keep writing books? And the answer to that is absolutely. Just I'm not writing more spring books. Um, where is it? Oh, here it is. So there is a book of which is the uh, sponsor of today's episode of the Pro Coder Show, and it's called 12 Rules for Pro Coders. It's go to 12rules.io and check it out if you want to find out what this book is about. But basically, there's more to coding. There's more to being a pro coder than just coding. It's not just a bunch of if-then statements or class definitions or function calls. There's There's more stuff in there, and it's taken me 27 years, I don't want to say to learn it all, but to learn many of these lessons. And if you grab this book, it can shortcut your process of learning these things, okay? So I did it the slow, hard way, and I want you to do it the fast, efficient way. And right now, this book is being is in the hands of my editor, and I'm hoping by the end of the month to have it out. So that's why if you go there, it's massively discounted. You, you can go ahead and pre-order the ebook, the audio book, and I'm even going to have a video version of it. So check that out. It's It's super steeply discounted to grab it while it's hot because the price is not going to be there much longer. Uh, let me put that down. Uh, let's see. I appreciate it. We've had a stream of comments come in. Um, I'm just checking them out. So, and one thing, you know, that I've, I have really appreciated is just the amount of support that I felt through the, through the, the community. That's been fantastic. Um, but uh, one thing I do, one thing that I really enjoy is that Cockroach Labs has indicated they're they're eager for me to keep, I can keep making this content. Now, as you can tell, I've pivoted away from spring content. And instead, I just want to help you with general, general wisdom and advice on how to become a pro coder. And so, and one of my mantras, if you go to store.procoder.io, you can get a, you can get this which is, this is what I call the pro coder mantra to be professional. And so I want to encourage all of you to go out there and be professional. This episode is over, but your code writing journey continues. Visit procoder.io to find links and resources to help you become a pro coder.